Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is Sean Kapanke. Sean is Business Development Manager at Silver Springs Foods, manufacturer of products which include horseradish, mustard, sriracha, cocktail sauce, and more. Prior to Silver Springs, he was Supply Manager for Reality Works and Senior Buyer for Celestica Electronics. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me today, Scott. Yeah. And understanding that you just uh, you know, changed your responsibilities there to business development manager, but you were vice president of operations and manufacturing for a while. So I want to dig into that a little bit with everything going on with supply chains and um, you know, I just have a lot of curiosity about how a company with so many products man kind of manages the manufacturing of things. So uh, we'll maybe touch on that a little bit first. But what I really want to talk about right out of the gate is Zing Masters. Uh, so this is, a, as I understand it, this is a Zing index. And, and tell me the thinking behind highlighting heat that led your team to go kind of all in on Zing uh, with Zing Masters. Yeah, Scott, this is something that the organization has been working on for quite some time. Dedicated years of research establishing uh, the Zing Factor Index is like what we would like to call it here. Um, and what that really is, is we really looked at our processing techniques and our, uni- our unique formulations to allow us to control how much heat is coaxed out of the root crop and deliver a consistent product perfectly tailored to a multitude of food applications. So you know, horseradish is a very volatile um, component, and in being the world's largest grower and processor, it's very important uh, that we have the knowledge behind it to deliver the best possible product to our consumers. And you have Zing Masters. Tell me about the Zing Masters that that help determine the Zing Index. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I want to admit up front, I would not be a good Zing Master. Full disclosure, I struggle with too much heat. <laughs> I envy those that that really embrace that. Um, and I like a little bit, but, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the Irish in me or something, but I don't think I'd be a good Zing master, but tell me about that. Yeah, it's pretty unique. I actually had the opportunity to be a Zing master, um, <laughs> and that was established, oh, probably four years ago. And it was really to help the company understand how the horseradish pungency is perceived by the senses and how the perception changes as the function of things like AITC, which is the active molecule in horseradish, um, the age of the product, as well as person to person, how they perceive uh, the horseradish. So the panel is composed of uh, Silver Spring employees from various departments. Um, and all of the Zing Masters really share that, uh, that ambition to continually improve the, the products that we produce here at Silver Spring. That's awesome. Must be fun when, they, when everyone gets together to, to determine the Zing Index. It really, it really is. So really understanding the science behind that. Um, we have a, a research scientist here on, on staff that really has trained each of us in the principles of century science and screened for basic acuity before qualifying for any given test. So uh, it's pretty neat to have, you know, be that entrenched in, the, in that side of the business. Yeah. And do all the products have just a little bit of kick to it? I would, I would think so. Um, you know, most of our horseradish products, they do. Um, we did develop that uh, zinc factor index. So we have a Z to the one all the way up to Z to the five. So Z to the one is going to be a, a little more mild. 
uh, less intense and you can go all the way up to Z to the five, which is our extra hot, which is, which is pretty intense. <laughs> uh, so I want to go back a little bit, you know, to learn a little bit more about Silver Springs. So we're talking about a company that I believe started in 1929. Uh, that just keeps feeling further and further away here in 2022. Um, as best you can, could you share a little bit about the history, uh, the heritage of of the company, the Huntsinger Farms and everything? Um, and, you know, where, how and where it got started. Someone back there must have been quite a fan of horseradish, I would imagine, to start. But as best you can, give us a little bit of a, a walkthrough history. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Uh, our company was founded in 1929 by Ellis Huntsinger. Um, he was a, uh, you know, in the early days, he uh, he fell back on the family farm to get through some hard times. Uh, he prepared and bottled horseradish by hand in his old uh, milk shed behind his house. Uh, you know, then he sold that uh, fresh ground horseradish locally to help uh, augment his income uh, during Wisconsin's cold winter months. Um, from there, you know, it kind of continued to grow. Hunsker uh, Farms now grows um, now grows horseradish over 7,000 acres throughout uh, uh, Wisconsin and the Minnesota farmland. So, um, pretty pretty unique uh, crop. Um, there's not a lot of a lot of people like us, but uh, pretty exciting to to see what we get to do every day. Wow, seven thousand acres of of horseradish. Just help me. How how big? Seven thousand acres. How much yield does something like that produce? What what's about the size there? Because as you said, it's not like. Um, well, you'll know more than me, but I'd imagine you can't grow horseradish everywhere, right? It's probably I don't know. I, I'm not aware of it being grown in Southern California, for example. Um, what 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 sort of necessary you know, weather, soil leads to such a unique crop because I'm not even sure how you categorize it. I know it's a root, but it just seems to almost stand on its own. Right. So the unique thing about horseradish, it's a rotational crop. So while we have a lot of acres, uh, horseradish goes on to a, a five to seven year crop rotation. So we'll we'll uh, plant it in the spring and in the fall, and then we'll harvest it the next spring and fall. So it's about a 12 to 18 month growing cycle that it takes. So there's a lot of, you know, you have to have a lot of land in rotation at all times. When it's not being planted in horseradish, you're rotating it with uh, corn and soybeans throughout that five to seven year rotation. At any one time, we'll have anywhere from 700 to 1500 uh, acres in, in rotation at one time. So you have added three new products, I believe, in the past year, in everything bagel, stone ground mustards, and your first ever non-GMO prepared horseradish. I'm curious, and it's wonderful you sit in the business side and the manufacturing side here as well. How do you decide that it's time to, to create a new product? Um, you know, g- given that it's you know, kind of this condiment category, it, you, you could spread yourself pretty thin, right? Um, what's the process for honing in on the flavors? And, and determining, okay, we're capable of making this and there's the market demand for this. Walk us through the thinking that occurs internally when bringing a new product to market. Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. Uh, we're challenged every day with trying to come up with uh, the next new product. And a lot of retailers really want to see what's new and trending and exciting out there. You know, everybody's seen the yellow mustard on the shelf. Everybody's seen the, the horseradish on the shelf. So what what can you do to really you know, get some enthusiasm behind some of those products that we produce here. So we have a great team here. We have a marketing uh, group that's always, you know, evaluating the data from the 
various business uh, periodic periodicals, um, the food publications. We have a great uh, R&D team here that looks at what's trending and taste profiles. So um, they kind of meet on a regular basis, pulling all that information together. Uh, we use the Zingmasters to kind of test some of these, these new initiatives out. Uh, we actually use a lot of the people that work within the plant too to try out some formulas and kind of get their feedback on that uh, to really see what, what their taste profiles um, they, they like. So uh, it's really exciting to, to go through that process and see how long it takes to potentially get a new product to market. Some of the new products that uh, we just came out with, as you mentioned, the Everything Bagel, the Stone Ground Mustard, and a non-GMO prepared horseradish, you know, those took those were in development for, for a year to year and a half. Um, it took a lot of different iterations, um, a lot of trials um, to get where it is today. Hmm. And when you're manufacturing, I'm, I'm, could you paint a picture for me, someone that's never been in a food processing plant, what, what is the process for manufacturing when you have so many different products that you need to, I, I would imagine just have incredible quality assurance on, right? It, it, you, you've got to nail it every single time. And obviously with the Zing Index, you, you take taste very seriously, which we love here. Um, how, how does the process work given, I mean, are there hundreds of ingredients at play? Is it a, is it a constant just testing, testing, testing for the completely, you know, uninitiated to it? Walk me through what the process is for, for the actual manufacturing of well, we're just fortunate enough to purchase and buy and enjoy. <laughs> I don't think we, we most people have an appreciation for uh, how much diligence goes into the actual manufacturing and how much care. Right. It's it's actually pretty complicated. Um, you know, obviously, you need to understand what your core competencies are as a manufacturer. We at Silver Spring, our our competencies are really horseradish and everything that that horseradish is used for, like a cocktail sauce. Um, tartar sauce. Those are really our core competencies. But to really branch out, we do just about everything that's in the condiment aisle in your local grocery stores. So we have over 1,500 ingredients that we manage, uh, close to 2,000 different packaging items. Now that includes labels, um, but there is a lot of inventory that we have to control. And all of that stuff has to be traceable um, due to re potential recalls and understanding you know, if there's any uh, concerns within the supply chain that you have to pull any product back. So um, first and foremost, you, you need to understand what your competencies are. So we're, we're very good at making mustard. We're very good at making horseradish. So if anything fits into that wheelhouse, you know, we can pretty much, we have a process in place for that. So we can use a lot of the processes that have been developed over the years uh, to make that product. Um, one thing that we've really looked at is, is the, zinc, the zinc masters and the zinc factor. We've been able to really hone in on uh, making a consistent product every time when it comes to horseradish. A lot of our competitors, you know, they'll buy horseradish in the outside market and whatever they bring in is what they get. We have the ability to look at our fields, what type of taste profile that horseradish has in that field. And we're able to make a, a blend to make the most consistent product each and every time. So it's really, you know, understanding your core competencies and how they fit into your supply chain. Mm, wow. I'm blown away by 1500 
product. I can't imagine Ellis Huntinger in 1929 uh, <laughs> ever envisioned 1,500 products when he was just growing his horseradish um, back in the day. And I, I want to note, too, that it's still family-owned, correct? Correct. We're underneath the fourth generation right now. Uh, Nancy Bartouche is our third generation. Um, and then Eric Grigg and his brother, Ryan, are, are active in the organization. Eric is our current president um, of the organization. So fourth generation. That's great. Uh, so I have some kind of obligatory questions here about the current state of supply chain. It's obviously something that's discussed uh, quite regularly right now. We're in early May 2022. Um what are you seeing? Um, you know, you did mention that an awful, you know, especially the key ingredient of horseradish is under your your kind of control and purview. But um, what are you seeing out there? What concerns uh, are our manufacturers facing, and has it just impacted Silver Springs in any way? Uh, absolutely not. The uh, you know the supply chain has been disrupted, you know, worldwide um, since the pandemic hit. Um, you know, anything from the, the climate changes that are happening right now, things that, uh, you know, we do, obviously, we grow horseradish. You know, we had some challenges a year back where we were actually short horseradish and being the world's largest grower. Um, it's not something that you can just snap your fingers and, and there's some more horseradish, <laughs> especially with the 12 to 18 month growing cycle. So, you know, we're starting to see that with um, tomatoes, uh, tomatoes that, that majority of it comes from California. They're having you know, it's really dry out there right now, and that's going to affect their crop, uh, which ultimately is going to affect how much they can produce and send out next year. So we're seeing things like tomatoes, uh, mustard seed, um, soybean oil, a lot of those types of commodities are we're really having challenges um, getting in here right now. Um, and you're seeing upwards to 3x the price for some of those components to come in. And that's just from the food industry. Um, then you start looking at, you know, what do you what do you put your products in? You put them in, uh, you know, PET, and and what are you seeing with the resin market? You know, Texas had that big uh, frost uh, probably back in March of 2021 that really affected the resin market, and that affected all our bottle suppliers and our cap suppliers. So it continued to really snowball from there, and then you factor in the, uh, you know, the transportation market. Um, you had over a hundred ships sitting out in uh out in los angeles waiting to dock i mean that's you know how do you get those products onto the dock and how do you get them to to your facility where you need it especially a company like us where we have over 1500 ingredients you're missing one ingredient for a product you can't run that product until you get that ingredient so it's it's very challenging um i don't see it it lightening up anytime soon you know, and then you got to factor the labor side of it. Um, a lot of manufacturers are short laborers, you know, and how do you, how are you able to do more with less um, mm. here at Silver Spring? You know, if, if we don't have the staff, we just will scale back on our production to make sure that we're following the business practices that we set in place. Uh, product quality, product safety are number one at our plant. So, you know, we'll, we'll adjust to make sure that we're still hitting those two top factors. Yeah, it, it it's something that we just take so much for granted. But again, you're dealing with 1,500 ingredients. Even when everything's working perfect, you would think one or two of those ingredients might be, uh, you know, a little slow to arrive or a little bit, you know, more difficult to obtain. Uh, but certainly, we're learning about the fragility of the supply chain, and 
the challenge of unwinding it, you know, where I think as consumers, let's face it, we're just focused on what's in front of us on that day. But as you mentioned, something from a year ago is still working its way through the system. Uh, and, you know, we're hearing about fertilizer prices now, and that's impacting planting. And uh, I think that it's it's probably going to be continued to be a challenge, but it is wonderful to hear that, you know, you focus on safety and, and quality and, and you, you know, with those guardrails right there, then, you know, you'll manage and make the right decisions and too proud of a product that's been out there for, was it 90, 93 years now? Um, looking at, looking around the, the, the big picture again, a little bit, um, last year you hosted the, uh, I think it was the, the post, you know, considered the first post pandemic farm technology days. Uh, did you attend that? Yeah, I did. It was uh, pretty exciting. It was, uh, you know, Wisconsin Farm Tech Days. We were originally supposed to host that in 2020, uh, but due to the pandemic, it was, uh, you know, canceled or postponed until 2021. And fortunately, the uh, um, the county that was awarded it in 2021 dropped out, so we were able to move our um, us being a host into 2021. So it was a great event. Um, you know, it was one of the first big events that happened post pandemic, if you want to call that last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just, it was just so refreshing to get out and be around, you know, other people that have the same interest at you in a large outdoor setting. Uh, the event itself had over 52,000 guests over the course of three days, um, 1500 volunteers, uh, 200 or 520 exhibitors and from about 26 states. So, it was a pretty massive event, uh, you know, that really took the infrastructure. It, it, it took us really over a year, year and a half to really get everything to where it was. So pretty neat event. Yeah, that that's pretty cool to pull off. I mean, that's it's like a, you know, like a music festival that takes two years to plan. And, you know, you, you turned on a dime on that. Uh, I'd imagine that there was some cocktail sauce and some tartar sauce and wasabi enjoyed during that event too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what were some of the trends that you saw that, that stood out to you and was interesting and looking ahead to the event in July, what are you curious about? Yeah, what I really, you know, I, my portion of the show was really focusing on innovation square and that was the dead center of the event. And what I really loved this year was just the innovation of the organizations that were in Innovation Square, it wasn't your typical, you know, dairy farm or your your crop farmer. Um, we had some very unique organizations. We had um, a bean, one of the world's largest bean um, manufacturers there. Uh, we had an apple orchard, which is huge in the Midwest. Um, we had uh, a company that does aquaponic, so they're doing the like organic lettuce and and salmon. Um, and then we had a cheese manufacturer as well. So people really that came out there got to see a different side of agricultural agriculture than your traditional um, crop farming that you, you know, you're driving down, um, you know, middle of Wisconsin and you're seeing your traditional farming activities. So it was really neat to see that, especially for me that, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm, but to see the impact that those companies that were in the patient square have on the the food supply chain in general. So Sean, I know sustainability is very important to Silver Springs. I'd imagine that 
when Ellis Hunsinger started in 1929, that sustainability was not something he necessarily thought about. It just existed as it was. Uh, farming was all, you know, local and, and sustainable in those practices. Yet we know that a lot of the industry has has become a little bit less sustainable, and that's a concern for some folks. So, talk about what Silver Springs is doing on the sustainability side and and adhering to maybe some of those first principles that were there in 1929. Yes, Scott, that's a, you know, great topic, um, you know, being in business for over 90 years, you know, the, we really rely on, on the land around us to really provide uh, the products that we need to produce here. Um, you know, back in 1929, there was, there was a little bit more land than there is today. So um, we need to be good stewards to the land because um, we want to, you know, we want to leave the company in a better place than, than it is today. So we need to find ways to better you know, manage our land. Um, some things that we're doing is um, we just installed a, a solar panel uh, here within the last uh, couple, three years. And just the impact on that alone, it's, while it's not a lot, it's providing about 18% of our, of our needs, our power needs at our farming operations. And if you look at numbers on what that actually entails, it's equivalent to, you know, 250,000 miles driven in a passenger car over a year. Uh, 10,000 gallons of gasoline consumed, um, heating 12 households for a year. So just that little footprint, the impact that that has by using the sun is, is awesome. We also installed a, um, a wash water treatment pond uh, behind our horseradish storage facility uh, where the wash water that we use to wash the horseradish will be pushed out into that pond. We'll reclaim that water and, and sprayed out in our fields for irrigation uh, during the course of the summer. So, um, and then the continued efforts to try to reduce, you know, chemicals or fertilizers that, that you're spraying on the field. So these are all very important efforts that we're doing on the farm, but we also want to implement that out at our production plant as well uh, to be better stewards to the, to the environment. And I learned that a lot of the, the companies that uh, were in Innovation Square at Farm Tech Days uh, this last year uh, were doing many of the same things as well. So it's really reassuring to be to, to see what people are doing uh, to be good stewards to the land. Future generations, thank you, so that Silver Springs can be around in 2129 as well, uh, supplying great, great products through your family or brand. So thank you. So let's talk about where you can find Silver Springs. Uh, well, I'll mention online first. You get silverspringfoods.com. You can go on there and read about the history and the backstory as well. And then you're on Facebook at Silver Spring Foods, Inc. And on Instagram as well at silver underscore spring underscore foods. But pretty much in every retailer at this point, correct? Yeah, we're pretty much in every, every retail grocery chain uh, within the United States. Um, you can find uh, the, our refrigerated horse rash in your in your dairy section, um, and then we there are shelf stable um, condiments that we have in your in your mustard section as well. So it's also in places that uh, you may not see. It might be in your favorite cocktail sauce. A lot of cost, a lot of uh, manufacturers buy our horseradish and put it in their cocktail sauce. You might find it in your favorite restaurants. Uh, so if you're ever out at your famous famous steakhouse, you know, ask them what kind of horseradish they're using. You never know. It might be Silver Spring. <laughs> well, wonderful American story if there ever was one. Uh, I'm sure that 
the Hunziger family, uh, which, you know, the descendants are still proud, but I bet Ellis is very proud of what, uh, you know, what you've achieved and what you continue to as a family owned operation that in some ways, and I hope, I hope I'm not insulting in this. It's almost like the wine industry, you know, you, you just have this, you're, you're, you're growing your product. You, you are, it sounds like you're testing it, you know, when it's being grown, you're trying to control the elements. You understand that different portions of the farm may produce a little bit differently. And then such tightness and quality control. Um, again, I, I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but it just, it just reminds me a little bit of kind of that, that care that goes into it. Um, that results in such a incredibly taste tasting. Yeah, product. you you are right. We are getting better with age as an organization. Unfortunately, horseradish does not get better at age, so it has <laughs> it has a very short shelf life, um, and that's why we you know we came up with the Zing Masters and the proprietary process and Zing Factor that uh, that the organization came up with is really allowing us to to provide our customers with the best possible product out there. Yeah, well, it's clearly a lot of pride among among everyone there, and it's something that you take very seriously as taste, so we always appreciate that. Um, all right, well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us again, silverspringfoods.com. Uh, I'm sure that you've had it. I'm sure that you've seen it on the shelves. Now you'll know a little bit about how it got there. So thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening to episodes. 